everyone, and thank you for listening to the 37th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. I don't even have to ask you how you're doing today, Kyle, because the NCAA tournament starts in two days. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this, is a, this is a fun time of year. Is it your favorite time of year? I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I'm willing to commit to that, to that okay. uh, f- forward of a statement. Sure. But it is a f- very fun time of the year. I agree. I was uh, waiting for Selection Sunday for a while, and especially when the team you follow gets bounced from their conference tournament. And even though we knew Missouri was not going to be featured on Selection Sunday, it was still a really fun time to watch the bracket be announced and see all the hot takes that the different – um, analysts jump on right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, whenever you follow college basketball as closely as we probably do throughout, the, you know, throughout the season, regardless of how good Mizzou is, you still feel like you have a pretty good feel for how good everybody is, and you've got your own hot takes and your own opinions, and um, it's fun to kind of compare those two um, with the what the tournament selection committee deems, and so yeah, it's it's fun to watch. And the best part is you can watch all the basketball you could possibly consume and fill out every bracket possible on every site imaginable. And there will still be upsets that you will never predict. Pretty much. And even if you predicted this one, you won't get this one mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, so, all logic is completely yeah, thrown doesn't out matter how much basketball you watch. There, yep, there's no way and you can know. I test that every year by filling out a bracket alongside my wife and... On a good year, I lose by five games. <laughs> um, but she, I think, has won the last three three years in a row. It's uh, you. You truly can just not watch a single game, and you you could still have a really good bracket. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get all the way into bracketology, we've got a few news items. The first is a fun little news item. Um, Kyle and I went and watched the uh, Class 5 state championship in boys basketball. It was played here in Springfield at JQH Arena, and it featured uh, the cadets of CBC and the Rockbridge Bruins. So for those of you who don't know, that features um, Caleb Love, plays for CBC. He's a junior, um, one of the top 2020 recruits for Missouri, as well as many other schools. And then Rockbridge features, um, at the time, two guys who were signed to play at Missouri State next year. And then, of course, they also have Isaiah Mosley, who, when we were watching him, was still undecided, but had been lightly recruited by Missouri. That had fallen off a little bit. He was had an offer from Missouri State along with his two teammates, but uh, we didn't know where that was going. But we got to watch them play, and it was a really exciting game. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. It was close all the way to the end in fact i think cbc have like a seven or eight point lead going into the fourth quarter so rockbridge had to kind of climb back in it and actually they they made a like a 6-0 run in the first like 30 seconds of the fourth quarter i remember they had a couple and ones and stuff so um they were not letting go of of that game yeah um yeah rockbridge held on to win and um I, I want to talk a little bit about Caleb Love just because he's the, the main guy for um, Mizzou fans to be interested in. And he just he just looked like 
a D1 player. I mean, I would say he and Isaiah Mosley were considerably better than anybody else on the court. And that actually showed up in the box score because they were the two leading scorers with their team for their team, each over 25 points. So, um, but Caleb Love just, he looked like everything you would want in a lead guard at the college level, super long arms, pretty tall for a point guard, um, super athletic. And he was knocking down threes with ease. He just looked like he had it all. Yeah, he's really polished, and he like like you said, he can really do everything. He he showed that he could drive, get to the basket, he could shoot. I feel like that's what he's known for is shooting the, the three well, really three ball really well. So yeah, he showed us a little bit of everything. Uh, was the only reason that game was even remotely close because Rockbridge has that has a really nice trio of, of players, and it took all three of them to be able to to overtake Caleb Love for sure because he didn't have a whole lot of help. No, and um, the play that stuck out for me was he got a steal near midcourt and sort of on a fast break, but it was a contested fast break and went up and slammed it with one hand while getting fouled and got the and one. And it just was such an athletic play from the beginning with the steal and getting up the court really quick and finishing through contact. It was just like, this guy's the real deal. And then a few minutes later, he was knocking down threes and just kind of knifing into the paint and finishing yeah so all that to say it would be really really nice to see this guy in a missouri uniform uh konza has been on him super hard i think they go see him about every chance they can we uh, looked all over for uh konza martin and at jqh arena and we couldn't find i him, really but. thought he would be there because obviously konza is familiar with springfield and jqh and their season's over so i thought they would definitely be there maybe they were we just didn't see him yeah. i don't know but i definitely think that we're gonna have to fight off just about everybody in the country for Caleb Love because uh, he still has another AAU season this summer and a whole other high school year after that. He's If there are schools that don't have him on their radar, he will be. So, I don't know. It, it's going to be tough to, to get him to Mizzou. I, I don't expect that to happen, but um, you never know. Yeah, with he and Cam Fletcher both, it's just like, I mean, I feel like Missouri's going to be in with both of those guys till the finish, but if it, how anybody could ever be confident I don't know. I, I don't. There's no real reason to be confident. Just hopeful. I think. Yeah, I do think that we hired Conzo to uh, to go out and potentially land some of these kind of players. So uh, in the in the St. Louis area. So uh, I'm not going to rule out Conzo until uh, he says he's going somewhere else. But right. but like you said, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough. On the Rockridge side of things, um, they have uh, Jamonta Black is one player that is going to Missouri State next year. Uh, and then point guard Dewan Harris. Uh, those two guys were already locked in as Missouri State Bears before the game, and so it was really cool to see them. Um, they were seemed like they were already embraced by some of the Springfieldians that were there to watch the game. Um, and they, I, I was impressed by them. I think um, Harris will probably need to work on his shot, his three-point shot. Um, if he wants to make that a part of his game at the next level. But he was really good. They were both really good defenders. It seemed like on ball and off ball. Um, they both were switching on to Caleb Love from time to time and did okay there. Um, and they were both able to get into the paint whenever they wanted, um, make free throws. That They both made, or combined, they made four free throws right at the end of the game to pretty, to pretty much put it away. 
And there was one moment in particular where Jamonta Black got fouled intentionally to stop the clock at the end of the game. And he was so confident. He was already fist pumping. They were only up two at that time. He needed to go knock down two free throws. And he seemed 100% confident that he was going to go knock those down. And we remarked to each other like, uh, this isn't over, but he's really confident. He's really happy to be going to free throw free throw line right now. And he knocked them both down. Yeah, it's uh, it was really cool to see definitely this how clutch they were and uh, those free throws are important down the line. And we I've seen college teams, I've seen players on college teams, guards even who cannot make free throws, can't make free throws at the end of games. And that's how you close them out. So good to see that those guys already doing that before they even got to uh, the D one level. And then uh, the big news that just came out since then is that Isaiah Mosley has now committed to play at Missouri State. And he is the biggest get out of those three guys. It's really cool that those three guys are going to be um, sticking together in college. We talked about how the um, Rockbridge fans that probably most of Columbia has been waiting for these guys to be seniors for a while now. I know they made the Final Four last year and then finally broke through and won it this year. So mm-hmm. those that big three is going to be legendary in Columbia for a while. Yeah, I think so too. And it'll be exciting to see what they do uh, at Missouri State. I think Mosley's got a chance to be an all Missouri Valley type player um, after maybe even as early as his you know freshman or sophomore year. I don't know, but he's certainly a talented guy. He has the size to be a really effective uh, D one player. I think he's six five. Yeah, so. he's every bit of six five. I yeah, think. he's yeah. he's definitely a, a talented kid. So it's good to see uh, Missouri State. Uh, landing some some four-year guys who they're going to get some serious mileage out of for sure and he was matching Caleb Love on the offensive end I mean he would had some uh, a step back three uh, he was running full speed around a screen and made a really smooth looking three-pointer he was getting into the paint pretty much whenever he wanted he took a lot of shots he he didn't finish everything when he got around the rim um, and maybe just not quite and get not quite getting the right angle on some of those drives, um, but when he had the angle, he, he could put it in, and he was just silky smooth and really fun to watch. I'm excited for Missouri State basketball. I haven't ever really been that excited for Missouri State basketball, but yeah, um, anytime you're able to watch guys in high school and then follow their career through, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think they've got a bright future ahead, especially with Dana Ford. I think he's a, a up-and-comer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully they can hang Hang on on to him. Switching back over to Mizzou news, uh, Jordan Geist, you may have heard of him. Uh, Mizzou player who has signed with an agent, and he is now going to pursue a professional basketball career. Yeah. Which, uh, if NBA scouts know what they're doing, they'll put him at the top of their draft board, and he'll go number one overall right in front of Zion Williamson, I think. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Actually, that that would surprise me a little bit. <laughs> oh, would it? But I don't know. No, just kidding. Good for um, good for Jordan. Uh, I think he'll be a great player professionally wherever he ends up. I, I don't know if he'll have much of a career in the NBA, but he's definitely proven a lot of people wrong before. Yeah, I could see him uh, getting a, getting an opportunity maybe with a summer league roster. Um, maybe. I, I, I really highly doubt he would get looks in the NBA draft, but uh, maybe get onto a summer league roster and maybe play a little bit in the G League. But um, worst case scenario, he seems like he'd be fully equipped to have a decent career overseas. So good luck to him on that. 
and you had one football news story. Yes, uh, Missouri football got a their second 2020, 2020 commit. Uh, Drake Heismeyer, I think is his name. He's an offensive lineman from Francis Howell. Uh, so that'll be a nice addition to the offensive line. I think he's a three-star prospect, so... Good size already, so Barry Odom likes those uh, those big boys on the line. So, yeah, twenty four seven Sports has him at six four two seventy five. Yeah. Uh, sorry, six three two eighty three is their updated. Gotcha. I can wait for him. Yep, that is uh, that is pretty good size, and a lot of times those offensive linemen take a year or two to really get acclimated to the, uh, the college level. So we may not see him uh, play a whole lot uh, right off the bat, but you never know. Yeah, and with the depth that they have right now in the offensive line, it seems like that's going to be a good position uh, for the foreseeable future for Missouri just because they have young guys that they can develop and wait on and don't have to. If young guys are getting playing time, it's because they're spectacular, not because... Or because there's issues in front of them with the depth. Right. Well, that's all I have for news. So... Um, we're going to do a little bit of overall season recap uh, for the Missouri Tiger basketball team. Um, they finished up by going one and one in the SEC tournament. Um, they played Georgia first, and that was kind of the ugly game that we thought it would be. Um, Jordan Geist dropped 30 points in that one, and uh, just I, I kind of was sad that they were going to have to play Auburn next because I kind of. I mean, not very many teams get to end their season on a win if you have to win the NCAA tournament or the NIT or the <laughs> CBI to do that. But You're right. um, knowing that they had to play Auburn, I was kind of like, well, maybe we could just end the season here on a, on a happy note uh, with Jordan Geist going off and um, Xavier Pinson having a good game. But I think they dispatched of Georgia kind of how we thought they would. Um, Georgia... Did not shoot the ball very well. We knew that was going to happen. Missouri didn't really either. But Jordan Geist just willed them to another 10-point victory. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same thing that's happened all year. Georgia's offense was terrible, and Jordan Geist kind of carried Missouri. Missouri. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next year because I know there's guys that are more talented than Jordan Geist that are going to be on the roster next year. Uh, But I still think there's just an attitude of – I'm not going to let us lose this game that I want to see somebody else on the team have, and maybe that's Javon Pickett. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever see Jeremiah Tillman having that kind of mindset, but somebody needs to take over that, like, we're not losing this game mentality like Jordan Guy says. If I had to pick anybody, I would probably go with Penson as having that, maybe having that attitude the most because we do see that. I mean, it's not something you love to see when a player just has to create something out of nothing at the end of the shot clock, but... Um, Jordan Geist has had to do that and he's been successful at it at times and basically the only other guy that has done that with very much success is Xavier Pinson and if he can turn that into you know if he can will his team to a basket at the end of a shot clock maybe he will develop that attitude in overall games and yeah I think um, he's capable for sure he seems to have that sort of edge about him sort of similar to Jordan Geist but unfortunately, Missouri's season did not end there. They uh, had to go play Auburn, and they really played well. It's just the defense just didn't hold up. Um, Auburn scored 49 points in the second half. 
and you're just not going to give that up very often and come out with a W. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even realize they'd scored that much in the second half. Um, Missouri played really well. I thought they played just about as well as they could have possibly played without some miracle happening right. or something. You know, they they played they played hard the whole game and um, they kept it competitive and. Like we knew coming into this game, Auburn was about the worst matchup possible for them, and that proved true again. And, uh, you know, Auburn goes and runs away with the SEC tournament. So clearly a, a capable, talented team who could probably beat just about anybody in the, in the country. Um, so that was definitely unfortunate that, that we had to run into that buzzsaw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even with a really lackluster game from Jared Harper, um, Bryce Brown was five of 10 from three and um, they shot really well from the free throw line. They didn't turn the ball over much and they barely fouled Missouri. Uh, didn't send them to the free throw line very much either. So it was just sort of a typical game from Auburn where they got production from several guys. They didn't have to lean on one guy. Um, but I was I was still happy to see Missouri fighting till the very end. I mean, that's been a common thread this whole season is games that they shouldn't win and probably aren't going to win, but they're fighting and they're right in some of these games, in the game at halftime or in the game with 10 minutes left or something like that. And we saw that again. That was that was impressive. You know, I think one, one thing that's encouraged me uh, that I've kind of watched from the beginning of the season to now, and the game against Auburn might have been may not have fallen into this as much as we would have liked to hope but um, this game or the previous game against Auburn this one okay um it was the the turnovers and because obviously we started off the season horribly like the game against Iowa State was maybe the most turnovers I've seen ever (laughs) from a Missouri team you know just it was absolutely horrible like are you even looking where you're throwing the ball like we're just like (laughs) I'm at a loss for how you guys have this many turnovers in a game um and, I mean, and Auburn really forces turnovers, too. So, I mean, that was kind of expected. And, and Pinson did, kind of struggled and made some, I don't know, he kind of gets confident sometimes and, and excited and makes some interesting passes, and that's, yeah. that's expected. But uh, overall, I think Missouri really improved and really settled down um, as far as just ball security and not making horrible, errant passes. So I thought that was uh, something encouraging. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pinson will get better about that as he gets older. Um, just kind of having a better sense of when to make those no-look passes. I mean, sometimes it's perfect because the defense doesn't see it coming, but also sometimes there's a re- the, the defense doesn't expect it because it's not advisable. Right, and I think he'll learn the hard way. Unfortunately, usually it's, it's learning the hard way, and I think one example of that I think came in the Auburn game mm-hmm. when in the first half we were really hanging with him, we were really competitive. Uh, and then Pinson throws like the full court pass to Mitchell Smith when he has like three guys draped all over him, and Auburn goes on like a pretty significant run right after that and uses a lot of momentum. So, I th- hopefully Pinson realized that was a bad pass, and I just gave them all of this momentum by yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody always talks about live ball turnovers, and I think that was probably the worst thing about a lot of Pinson's mistakes this year is they turned into steals and fast breaks on the other end. I mean, he had eight turnovers in this game, which is a huge amount yeah. for one player to have. And um, But I, I also thought it was interesting that I can't remember who was calling the game, but they were pretty confident that um, he, that Pinson was being sat because of 
turnovers. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I don't. It was Jimmy Dykes, wasn't yeah, it? it was. Um, and Conzo did sit Pinson for a little bit, but then brought him right back in. And then I think he committed his eighth turnover and then s- stayed on the floor for like the next 10 minutes. So um, I don't think, I don't think Conzo is really, I mean, they both know what the deal is. You don't want to turn the ball over. Um, Pinson knows that. So it's just going to be, I think the mental side of things, just getting used to the speed of college basketball. I mean, yeah. sometimes and it the way takes you, more than a season to do that. And the way you're going to do that is by playing. So exactly. not by sitting on the bench. Exactly. So Jimmy Dykes, you can shut up because <laughs> I don't like you at all. <laughs> yeah. We've had our problems with Jimmy this season. Um, anything else specifically about this Auburn game? I kind of want to recap um, Mizzou's season a little bit and maybe talk about the, the highs and lows from it. I don't think I have anything more on the game, no. Well, Missouri finishes the season with an overall record of 15-17. and 17. Um, If you look at their analytics, uh, Ken Palm has them at 70th in the country, which is a decent, decent rating for the end of the season for a Missouri team that didn't make any postseason tournaments. Yeah, I'm sorry to put you on the spot, or maybe Producer Cameron, if you've got Ken Palm pulled up. What I'm interested to know... What the the worst ranked Ken Palm team to get an at large bid in the NCAA, NCAA tournament was because I I feel like it probably isn't that much better than seventieth maybe in the fifties or sixties. Um, well, you're off by a lot because <laughs> Temple. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got an at large at large bid. Let me double check. They did. They're in eleven seed. Yes, because they lost to Wichita State in their conference tournament, and they are ranked 76th in Kempom. Wow. Um, add to that St. John's, who lost to Marquette in the Big East Conference tournament. They are 78th in Kempom. So, yeah, those are kind of uh, head scratchers for me. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I've heard a few analysts griping a little bit about maybe some seedings or some some of those like lower tier teams maybe maybe getting a little bit better seating than they felt like they deserved but yeah uh saint saint john's is that for me yes but yeah we will get into bracketology here in a minute um i wanted to mention when with regards to the ken palm ratings uh, missouri's 70th uh, finishing 70th this year um 122 on offense 56 on defense that uh, number 70 ranking is 86 spots better than the best finish for a Kim Anderson coach team at Missouri. 50 spots better on offense and 41 spots better on defense. Yeah, it, it may have felt like a long, dark winter with this team because, I mean, we lost a lot of games. But Dealing with injuries is never fun. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, injuries. Uh, we lost a lot of games, but we were competitive we i felt like we're respectful we played hard um and the sec respectful. is they're very respectful players did i say respectful oh yeah yeah they were yes very respectful we didn't get any fights this year <laughs> respectable um and and you've derailed me um <laughs> you're we were comparing the uh the oh yeah the bad seasons the to sec this. the sec is way better now than it was in the kim anderson years and we were still horrible then so the Kim Anderson teams were not that I need to tell anybody this because you didn't know, but those teams were truly awful. I still think it's good to reflect back and just, I mean, if 
if the worst Conzo Martin coach Missouri teams are finishing in the top 70 in Kimpom, I can totally live with that. Oh, yeah. Because if it's only up from there, now watch next year we f- fall flat and um, <laughs> only win 12 games and are 100th in Kimpom. But knock on wood, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, but, I mean, finishing 56th defensively, I, I don't really see that dropping at all next year. I right. feel like for, for the most part, the guys that are carrying the weight of that deficient uh, that uh, defensive efficiency rating mm-hmm. are, are going to be back next year. Yeah. Um, so preseason, we talked about who we thought our Mizzou MVP would be this season. And we accounted for the fact that Jonte Porter was not playing this season. So we both decided that Jeremiah Tillman was that guy. And I would argue that that might be true. I mean, if you look at the splits as far as when Tillman played big minutes and was not in foul trouble and was able to stay on the field uh, compared to when he was on the bench the whole game. It's a big difference for Missouri. But I think, I don't think you will disagree with me that Reed Jordan. <laughs> yes, that Reed Nico was the MVP for Missouri this season. The way he stepped in uh, when Jeremiah Tillman had foul trouble just carried the team. Yeah, it was truly amazing. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like Jordan Geist was was easily the MVP of this team, but I definitely think that you you may have an argument there that when you just look at the minutes they were in the game, you know, Jeremiah Tillman was very impactful. There just unfortunately wasn't enough of those minutes that he was on the floor. But I think if you take away if you take away Tillman completely versus taking away Jordan Geist completely, I mean, true. I think you might be... Because there's way less behind Tillman than there is Geist, but I guess that's part of what makes you valuable. Yeah, I would I would still probably lean... If I had to, to choose, I would I would pick Jordan Geist as well. Yeah. Just, I mean, he just... We've talked about it. I mean, I feel like the last three episodes of this podcast have been the Jordan Geist podcast. But, that's fine. Um, I mean, what he brings to Missouri is just something that we really hope will be able to be replaced at some point but i just don't think it'll be replaced in the same way yeah he's pretty much like the best thing you can possibly hope for when going like the juco route or a prospect that you might deem a, a developmental reach or something yeah. yes or a reach maybe i remember i mean at the time i was kind of like oh, whatever i don't know this is some some undersized guard I don't yeah know. i mean well when kim anderson brought him in it was like Okay, here's another... Yeah, here's another guy like, to take up a scholarship yeah. down the road. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Jordan guys, obviously, about best case scenario. So I wanted to do a little activity here. Um, obviously, the biggest... Pretty much the biggest story for Missouri this season was injuries. Um, Jonte Porter going down preseason. Um, Mark Smith missing half the conference season, basically a third of the whole season uh, to injury. And Drew Smith not being uh, eligible because of Evansville. So my question to you, Kyle, is I want to look. There's this website called BartTorvik.com. I know you are familiar with it, Kyle. But it tries to predict NCAA tournament seeding. And you can go on there and manipulate a team's wins and losses. And so I want to know from you, 
what losses would you flip to wins or would you feel most confident flipping to wins if Missouri had a perfect uh, season as far as a player avail- availability standpoint? So if Jonte doesn't get hurt, if Mark Smith plays a full season, and if Drew Smith is deemed eligible. If all of those things are yes. are in Missouri's favor, wow. So let me just go through the losses real quick, and you yeah. tell me which ones you want to flip to wins. Okay, so I'll just okay, I'll just tell you yes. Yeah. Okay. So Iowa State on the road. No. We're keeping that as a loss. Mm-hmm. Kansas State at the Sprint Center. No. Temple at home lost by two. Yes. Okay. Tennessee at home lost by twenty-four. No. South Carolina on the road lost by 10. Mm. Oh, man, that's actually a really tough one. I'll say no. Okay. Alabama at home lost by 10. I'll say yes on that one. Arkansas on the road lost by 12. No. This is going to be a tough one for you. LSU at home lost by six in overtime. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to skip this one. Auburn on the road, lost by 50 billion. <laughs> um, Tennessee on the road, lost by 12. No. Texas A&M at home, lost by nine. Yes. That was a weird game. That was a really strange game. Ole Miss on the road, lost by 10. I'll say no. Kentucky at home, lost by eight. Mm, I'll say no. Florida on the road, lost by four. Yes. Mississippi State on the road lost by 19. No. Ole Miss at home lost by five. Yes. Okay. So they're probably gonna be like a six seed in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so we go from five and thirteen in conference and fourteen total wins to ten and eight in conference. And 20 and 12 overall before the SEC tournament. Now, what is interesting about this is that if you look at the SEC standings and the SEC tournament um, seedings, Arkansas and Alabama were both. I oh know, I'm mixing this up. I'm trying to figure out what seed approximately Missouri would have been in the SEC tournament. Six, maybe. Six or seven. Did Arkansas and Alabama both have eight wins or ten wins? Eight, it had to have been eight. I don't know. They'd be in the tournament with ten wins. Yeah, they both had eight wins. So Missouri would be tied with Mississippi State and Ole Miss, depending on those, how those matchups went. They'd be somewhere around sixth or seventh. In okay. the well, SEC tournament. I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought you meant their seeding in no, the no, NCAA. No. I mean, it still might be here on that six or seven line. That's a little generous. Okay. Because, um, I mean, Ole Miss is an eight seed. Right. Um, that would give Missouri three, only three quadrant one wins, though. Okay. Three and ten there. Eight and two in quadrant two. Four and one in quadrant three. Five and oh in quadrant four. That would have them on the bubble still, but Bart Torvik has them as a last four buys. So oh, really? not part of the play-in games, but a 10 seed. Interesting. 
Yeah, I feel like that's reasonable. I, I don't so basically, wanna... they'd be taking, they'd be about what Florida is right do now. Do you think that I was too generous with how I switched the wins? No. I feel like the Alabama one maybe went have been a little generous because they lost by 10 at home, but... Yeah, still. Um, that one's iffy, but I mean, they, some of these, they were so close to winning this anyway, season. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, Temple, um, LSU, I mean, that's a quadrant one win. Temple made the NCAA tournament. At large, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Florida on the road would be would have been a quadrant one win. But unfortunately... Did UCF ended up, end up being a quad one win? Not according to Bart Torvik. I okay. don't know how different that is from the NCAA actual like rankings, how they consider the different quadrants. But um, it's possible that Missouri actually in real life ended up with zero but UCF would be right on that line. I wish that was reality. Yeah. So, but it just goes to show how close a season is. And I mean, with the way people were talking about Jonte and Drew Smith at the beginning of the season or before the season, I mean, maybe that's a conservative estimate of what they do with, with all those guys healthy. But, um, I just wanted to throw that out there as just like a fun little activity. And, I also maybe uh, when we don't have anything to talk about in the summer, we can go back and do some what ifs on previous seasons. Um, one that comes to mind is the f- first SEC season where Phil Pressy literally threw a few games out of bounds at the end of games. Literally. And I'd like to like flip a couple of those and see what that does to because they made the tournament that year, but I'd like to see what that does to their seeding. Right. Uh, potentially that was the year they were like invincible at home but yeah. lost like every road game and then had the worst had matchup f- in the history of the ncaa tournament with uh colorado state yeah yeah they actually had a couple of uh a couple of seasons like that where they won everything at home and lost yeah. everything on the road um and then you can also play around with that i think it's fun to think about like phil pressy phil pressy again like what if he stays for a senior year or what if frank haith doesn't get fired and or or move on to tulsa (laughs) and um you know what if jordan clarkson and jabari brown play another season you can kind of just think about what what you think that would have done to a team season and then see what that does to their seating and it it just shows you how you need some of those breaks to go your way to end up in the tournament every year mm-hmm. and hopefully Conzo Martin can uh, keep the train going after this season, but man, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I want to just real quickly talk about the SEC tournament. We talked about the fact that Auburn made that run. Um, was there anything in that tournament that really surprised you? Anything that um, maybe changed what you think about teams going into next year? I think um, I think the fact that Vanderbilt finished the season with zero SEC wins, I thought maybe they could upset A and M, but <laughs> and then they mean, got blown out. Yeah, it just it, I think I, I asked you what you think, and now I'm saying what I think. But um, it really like solidified the tiers of the SEC, mm-hmm. and to me, it showed that Auburn was quite a bit better than South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the longer the season goes on the more concrete and confident you get with the data points 
along the season. South Carolina being the one data point that just never made sense. You really thought that they would find a way to get back to the mean at some point in the season, and they never did. Um, it's pretty shocking, honestly, that they were able to get a four seed in, how di- in this difficult SEC league and then not even get an at-large bid uh, to the NCAA tournament. It was pretty statistically amazing. Um, yeah, Auburn, their run in the SEC tournament doesn't surprise me at all. And, I mean, it was surprising how badly they beat Tennessee, I think, but... I mean, Tennessee had kind of given everything against Kentucky the previous day, so when I really right. think about it, I'm, I'm not really that surprised. But, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing how much better Auburn was than South Carolina and had a worse seed. Um, I will mention that you uh, crushed me in our um, SEC tournament bracketology. Um, I think... Yeah, you had Missouri, like, going <laughs> to the championship, though, so I'm not sure that you took that well, very seriously. But. Yeah, I was... Uh, I was trying to get some good vibes out there in the yeah. universe. Well, I mean, it almost worked. But I think I, I really was, I really did think Auburn has a pretty good shot to make a run here. I didn't think they'd beat Tennessee in the finals, but I think I did but pick you had them. that matchup. I did pick them to go to the finals, yeah, yeah. Against Tennessee. Because I felt like they had good matchups all the way there. Yeah. And it really helped that they didn't have to play LSU. Yeah. Definitely. Well, enough, enough talking about the SEC. We are talking about the NCAA tournament, and we're going to do some bracketology. Mm. And first question I have as we get our brackets out is, was there anything, we, we touched on this, but was there anything that really stood out to you as like something the committee got wrong or just something that really surprised you? Um, I, I could honestly probably ramble on for like an hour about this, so I'll try to keep it brief. But you and I were talking a little bit before uh, we started the podcast about, at least initially, at least some of the maybe top one through six or seven seeds, I felt like I was not really surprised by anything. I felt like they, the committee did a pretty good job, and it makes me start to wonder how much of external sources available to the public that we see the the committee also uses uh, like Ken Palm we use Ken Palm for like religiously mm-hmm. I think that the committee also probably lo- used Ken Palm a lot because there's I you know with Ken Palm being my main source of of probably how I feel about teams it it's almost strange how much it aligns with the committee in the top you know seven or eight seed lines yeah, well, the the f- top eight teams in Ken Palm right now are all one and two seeds. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, I, I do, and I do think the top eight teams really are very much separated from the rest of the pack. Um, but but yeah, and there were a few things that maybe I had like a little a couple a few issues with. Um, I think VCU might have been like a little bit overseeded. I they don't really they had so many quadrant three and four games they had like 23 games that were just in quadrants three and four and they still have seven losses um but again i'm not i don't i'm not super upset about it or anything i thought liberty might have been a little bit overseeded as well um yale i mean i think yale's got a good chance to beat lsu uh i know we're going to talk about that a little bit but i mean yale's got an nba player on their roster i can't remember his name at at this moment but they just put up 97 points in the uh ivy league championship against one seeded harvard Harvard, yeah Yeah. i i kind of think yale got screwed a little bit on their seeding but i actually think that they've got a decent matchup against lsu with everything going on uh in their world um 
Marquette and Murray State is honestly like a really int- intriguing matchup with Ja Moran uh, from Murray State and um, and Howard from Marquette. I mean, those guys are two of the top five players in college basketball, at least offensively. So that's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Um, did you think? Did you have a problem with Tennessee ending up as a two seed instead of a one seed? Not really. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have been upset at all whatsoever if they were a one seed. But I thought Gonzaga. I mean, I mean, who do you switch them out with? If it would have to be Gonzaga, I guess. Um, but Gonzaga's season was still really impressive. I mean, they're beating everybody by like thirty points all year long. So I don't know. But and, and as much as I, as much as I know that Missouri should have been a one seed um, in the NCAA tournament that got canceled. Um, them being a two seed in that, I, I blame, you know, what happened. I blame the tournament cancellation on them being a two seed more than I should. Because if you're a one or a two seed, the path is there for you. The 16 I mean, and the 15 is actually like a fairly significant line sometimes. Like, you should beat the 15 seed. Right. But... As dumb as it may sound to say, the 16 seeds are so much, so much worse than the 15 yeah. seeds. Typically, yeah, the fact that a 16 seed had never won until last year, right? And a 15 seed winning, it happened twice in one tournament, right? I think I, th- I think I saw a stat that one seeds have won the tournament like 41 percent of the time, and two seeds is like 20 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, a, a little more difficult road. Um, but part of that is just because the one seeds are ge- better. In general, one seeds are better than two seeds. True. So. Um, I th- I think the Nevada Florida matchup, the seven ten matchup, is is kind of interesting. Nevada has been kind of a top ten team all year long, and in the last three or so weeks of the season, they kind of slip off a little bit. But I think I'm not I'm, I'm not upset that they got a seven seed. I feel like maybe they deserved it by their performance throughout the season, but. If I'm really ranking the teams and how good I think they are, I really think they're maybe as high as a three or four seed. Honestly, I think Nevada's really, really good, um, and Florida is honestly. I know they don't have a great record, but they're a pretty tough ten seed. Yeah, they're they're way better than their record. Yeah, so, shows. so that it's kind of unfortunate for both of those teams that they have to play each other in the first round. What did What did you think about those last couple, those last um, at large teams? So like. I'm looking at Temple, Arizona Temple, State, Arizona State, Seton Hall, um, St. John's. Well, I'm pretty sure Arizona State and uh, St. John's have to play each other in the play-in game. I guess t- tomorrow, which is Wednesday, yeah, which is probably like the most hilarious matchup I can ever imagine because <laughs> there will be no defense played. It's an NCAA NCAA tournament game, and there's going to be no defense played. Yeah, it's going to be something else to watch. Yeah, I mean, we talked about before the tournament how we both feel like the mid-majors that maybe finished or maybe that got upset in their conference championship should be given more spots over a team like um, Arizona State but I don't know I mean when that team is when it's a team that was never at the top of their mid-major conference and then they get in I don't know yeah there weren't really like many uh, like mid-major teams that I felt like were really snubbed. I mean, UNC Greensboro was pretty close. Maybe Furman. Maybe there was a couple of a couple of teams from the SoCon Conference that were actually pretty good this year. Toledo was was a higher ranked team that yeah missed the cut. So I'm not, I'm not like super angry that n- neither one of those teams are got a shot. But 
Yeah. I and mean, what's crazy about those play-in games is we've seen teams go to the final four out of that play-in yeah, game Syracuse from the that. 11 seed. Yeah, I, it's just a kind of a different situation every year, but it just seemed like this year the bubble was pretty weak, and there was a lot of those like kind of low power five teams that are talented, but their records are terrible, and you know here we are, and they're like sneaking in the tournament. It's almost like <laughs> those last four spots just almost don't even need to be there, and some years I think I would disagree with myself and be like, I'm glad we had those four extra spots so mm-hmm. Belmont can make it. Yeah. But this year I just I feel like we get to sixty four teams and the last four teams are just not impressive. So some some of those teams had to make it. And unfortunately it was Arizona State and St. John's. And now <laughs> um you can put it write it in permanent marker that one of these teams is going to go to the final four yeah, because we just uh, crapped on them so much. We literally <laughs> just assured one of those teams a ticket to the final four. So um you were kind of going through some of the matchups here, but um, you, you want to just, well, first of all, the brackets that we have filled out, the three of us, are the same brackets that we filled out in our um, tournament challenge group on ESPN and on the tournament challenge app. So we invite everyone um, to join our group. It's one bracket per person um, or per ESPN account. So get your best one in there. And the winner of that, whoever has the highest score according to ESPN, will get a Missouri Sports Podcast t-shirt. So please join us in that. No cost to do it. There's no password for the group. So just join. And um, I want uh, the three of us to go through our brackets real quick and what we think is going to happen and I know you have some some more matchups that intrigue you, um, but I, I want to hear from producer Cameron too. Uh, as I'm not going to compare him to like my wife or anything, as someone that really doesn't watch uh, college basketball. <laughs> Serious? Well, I said I'm not going to. <laughs> then why would you even bring it up? Because I just want <laughs> the listeners to know that you don't watch quite as much college basketball, and. Um, <laughs> That it'd just be an in- interesting thing to compare uh, with Kyle and I that have watched quite a bit. His face was hilarious when he said that. So, um, h- how do you want to do this? We can just go down, um, start with Duke, and just go straight down at the first round. And we can just say who we picked. If we have some analysis or we picked a big upset that we want to explain, we can pause there for a minute. But on some of these, there's not much talking to do. But yeah, I mean... Is there anything in the first round on the left side of the bracket that that stands out to you guys or that you that you feel like you want to talk about? Well, um, I think the eight nine matchup always intrigues me um, because it is usually literally a coin flip, um, and it's usually one that I have no idea what to pick. Like I have no rhyme or reason for why I pick right. who I pick. I think you're not alone there. So I picked UCF because uh, their Missouri played them this year and beat them. And so, and because I want to see Taco Fall play more in the NCAA tournament. That is very close to why I picked them in a lot of in some of my brackets that I did. I actually picked VCU in this in this bracket, uh, but I feel like I actually like UCF probably uh, most of the time. And I'd really like to see Zion versus Taco Fall. Sure, that might be the posterization of the century if that <laughs> matchup happens. Oh my gosh! I assume everybody picked Duke. And yeah. Cameron, who'd you like, uh, VCU or UCF? UCF. All right. Um, I went 
upset. I went uh, favorite, favorite Mississippi State and Virginia Tech. My, and ups, then, my upsets in the East are Belmont beating Maryland and Minnesota beating Louisville. Okay, okay. I have Belmont as well, which, means, have, which means Temple's going to win. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I've got Maryland going to the Sweet 16, I think, here. Oh, shoot. Maryland winning two games. So I think uh, I, I agree with you, Cameron Albert, that I've got Mississippi State and Virginia Tech both winning their first round games but I really do think Virginia Tech has a chance to struggle with St. Louis because they're super talented uh, Virginia Tech is getting the fighting uh, Tremaine Isabels the fighting Tremaine Isabels uh, Virginia Tech is getting one of their guards back uh, who's been injured and he's probably one of the better guards in the in the ACC uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head but I, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how good he is when he comes back because I don't know how if he's 100% or not uh, but I, I, Virginia Tech is really, really good, and they beat Duke earlier this year as well. So um, I've got them going to the Sweet 16. So you were talking about Yale and their uh, how they have are, uh, an interesting matchup with LSU and maybe should be higher than a 14 seed. Um, I have Yale beating LSU in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised by that whatsoever. Uh, Yale's a really good team. LSU has got a lot of drama going on right now. I actually picked LSU to win this game on the, on this bracket because probably they win seven out of ten times, but I think Yale's got a really good shot to, to knock them off, though. And I went with uh, Louisville and Michigan State to round out the East. How interesting is that Louisville versus uh, Minnesota matchup? Yeah, it's like, huh, the, does the committee look for storylines or not? I'm do you not think sure. It's, honestly, like, I'm sure they do, but... I don't, I don't know. know. I, it, it's probably just pure coincidence. It's possible, but I really, I, either way, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, moving down to the West region, um, I have everything standard. I have all favorites by seed except Florida. I'm the same way except in the Murray State Marquette game. Yeah, I've got Murray State beating Marquette as well. Um, I have that in some of my brackets, too. I could totally see that. Yeah. Um, Syracuse and Baylor, another one of the 8-9 toss-up games. Uh, I feel like one thing that gives Syracuse such an advantage over people is their, like, zone defense they play a lot of times. But I think Baylor plays a zone, too. So that is kind of an interesting matchup. I still think Syracuse is going to win, but that I, I think Syracuse probably was like, okay, really? we got to yeah. play another zone team. Where I mean, they're practicing against the zone every day, so they probably won't be able to use their advantage as much um, against as, as other teams might be pretty frazzled by that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really have anything crazy at all in the first round of this. I got Nevada beating Florida, and I've got actually Nevada beating Michigan in the next round as well. Wow. You got any upsets over there, Cameron? Producer Cameron? No, just the Murray State game. Gotcha. Um, in the South region, first round, um, give me Oklahoma over Ole Miss. I don't know why. Give me Gardner-Webb over Virginia. Uh, yeah, back-to-back one-seed losses, of course, of course. Um, I have Iowa beating Cincinnati as my only upset. Man, I should have picked more upsets. <laughs> I've got... UC Irvine beating Kansas State. Okay. Fun fact. Yes. UC Irvine is the second luckiest team <laughs> in the tournament field. According to Kim Palm? Yes, 10th overall. Okay. Wow, that's very astute. Uh, I've got a couple matchups circled. 10th luckiest in the country. Yeah. Dang. That's amazing. 
uh, yeah, I have a, a couple matchups circled here. I have Wisconsin and Oregon circled because uh, Oregon is the 12 seed, and I think at least as of yesterday, we're actually favored by Vegas to win this game. Interesting. So uh, From the terrible, terrible Pac-12 conference. Yeah, the Pac-12 is terrible, like you just said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Um, now watch, like, <laughs> two Pac-12 teams are going to make the Sweet 16. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Wisconsin is Kim Palm darling. They uh, they love Ethan Happ, who's their their center. I think he was the MVP of the entire season on Kim Palm this year. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin's going to win this game, but this is a really interesting matchup because I feel like normally the 5-12 is, is like Mississippi State versus Liberty. It's normally like a Power 5 team versus like a pretty good mid-major team or something yeah. like that. So, But it's... Uh, like one of the best upset picks is picking the 12 seed exactly. in the history of the tournament. The 12 seeds win a lot. Yeah. Uh, Cameron, our producer Cameron, I also had UC Irvine beating Kansas State. Uh, I don't know. Dean Wade is one of Kansas State's best players, and I don't know if he's just going to play. I don't know if he's healthy. Uh, UC, UC Irvine's won 30 games this year. Uh, they're honestly like pretty good three-point shooting team. I think they've got a pretty good chance to, to upset Kansas State. Interesting. Um, yeah, I like Iowa over Cincinnati um, because I don't have a reason. <laughs> Iowa's been pretty inconsistent down the stretch of the season, but same thing with the 7-10 matchups. They're a lot of times kind of a coin flip as well. But since, if Cincinnati does win against Iowa, they get, they play Tennessee most likely in Columbus. So that's an interesting yeah. little tidbit. Yeah, there uh, were some t- Tennessee fans upset about that draw. Yeah, and uh, understandably so. All right, in the Midwest region, um, let's see what I have here. I have no upsets. <laughs> I have Ohio State and Seton Hall winning their games. I have New Mexico State beating Auburn. What? I know, that's totally not on brand for me. Wow, Auburn is just on fire right now. <laughs> yeah, but New Mexico State shoots the three ball really well. and <laughs> Shootout. I think they've got a shot to uh, to outshoot Auburn. Interesting. Man, I wish Kansas was playing a better team than Northeastern, honestly. Uh, I think Northeastern, I mean, same thing, though. Northeastern shoots, like, a ton of threes. They shoot so many threes a game. And, uh, I mean, they, they make them a lot of them. So make them a lot of them. Make them a lot of them. So hope they make know. them a lot of them against Kansas. I honestly could see them beating Kansas or losing by, like, 25, just kind of depending on... Whatever they're feeling that day. I have Kansas winning that matchup. Yeah. Wofford is uh Wofford and Seton Hall is an interesting matchup as well because Wofford is twenty nine and four. They're a seven seed. They were ranked at the end of the year. Uh I just but I don't know a whole lot about them. I, I know they they're really good. Ken Palm likes them too. Uh but I've picked Seton Hall to win almost all of the games against uh Wofford here in my brackets. So Bet on Wofford. Oh, also another thing, uh, if Kansas gets to the Sweet 16, I'm sure all of you have seen this by uh, by this point, but they get to play in Kansas City, of course, against yeah. uh, North Carolina, presumably. Makes no sense. It does make sense, and it's that their fans travel really well, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, the NCAA knows they're going to make a ton of money if Kansas makes the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. All right, so looking at the second-round matchups, um, I have uh, Duke getting to the Sweet 16, uh, beating UCF. I have Mississippi State getting to the Sweet 16. I have Yale beating Belmont. 
oh, and wow. getting to the Sweet 16. And I have Michigan State making the Sweet 16. Give me, uh, give me Duke, uh, Virginia Tech over Mississippi State, Maryland over LSU, Michigan State over Louisville. I've got Duke, Mississippi State, LSU over Belmont, and Minnesota over Michigan State. Minnesota making the Sweet 16. Golden Minnesota, I mean, they could do it. They've beaten Purdue, I think, twice this year. They're like, they have the chance to be really good. They're super inconsistent. They might be one of the most inconsistent teams in the field. Nice. So, <laughs> all about that inconsistency. <laughs> um, in the West region, I have Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. And. I have them beating Syracuse. I have Florida State over Marquette. I have Texas Tech over Buffalo and Michigan over Florida. I got Gonzaga over Syracuse, Florida State over Murray State, Texas Tech over Buffalo, and Nevada over Michigan. Nevada. That'll be interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. I've got Gonzaga, Florida State over Murray State, uh, Buffalo over Texas Tech, and then Michigan over Nevada. Wow. All right. Buffalo. The Buffalo Buffaloes. Buffalo Bulls, Bills. actually. <laughs> bulls? Yeah. Bills? Bulls. They really are Bulls, yeah. Bulls. Buffalo Bulls. Buffalo Bulls. Buffalo Bulls. Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bison up north of Springfield here. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> the high school? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Everybody knows Buffalo. I love that alliteration. Uh, moving on to the south, I have Virginia, Wisconsin, Villanova over Purdue and Tennessee. Uh, Virginia, Wisconsin, Purdue over Villanova and Tennessee. Wow. I've got Virginia, UC Irvine over Wisconsin. Oh my word. Oh, Boise. Uh, Purdue over Villanova and Tennessee over Cincinnati. Okay. Give me in the Midwest, North Carolina. Auburn over Kansas, Houston, and Kentucky. Same Z's. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I don't know if I should say this out loud. Oh, but my gosh. I, in North Carolina, I, in this bracket, for whatever reason, I chose to do this. I have Kansas beating New Mexico State. But Kyle what I actually, loves Kansas? What, <laughs> Kyle loves Kansas confirmed. <laughs> what I actually think is going to happen, I really do think Auburn has a pretty good chance to, to be in that spot, but sometimes you got to mix it up a little bit on these brackets. Sure. Uh, Houston and Kentucky. Is that what you guys had to? Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. The Elite Eight. Man, mine is boring. Except for... I, I have That's two a- picks that aren't quite boring. I have the one and two... In the East, Duke and Michigan State. I have the one and three in the West, Gonzaga, Texas Tech. The one and the six in the South, Virginia and Villanova over Tennessee. And then I have Auburn over North Carolina in the Midwest. And they'll be facing their SEC foe, Kentucky. Wow. I've got Duke, Michigan State, like you said. Mm-hmm. I've got Florida State beating Gonzaga. Second year in a row. Texas Tech beating Nevada. Virginia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Wow. I've got Duke. Were you erasing something over there? Are you changing your picks? 
No, this is all in pen. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not them. <laughs> I don't even know what I was erasing. Duke? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you were erasing Duke. Yeah. Sorry. I meant to put Mississippi State. No, I got Duke, LSU over Minnesota, which... Which if I'm, if I'm picking those out of those eight teams, LSU's probably not who I'm picking, but they got a pretty easy path since Minnesota and Belmont did some work for them. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, and then Florida State over Gonzaga. Wow. Michigan over Buffalo. Virginia, Purdue over Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky. So what of our what do we have the same right now? North Carolina, Kentucky. No. I think we all three I have, have Auburn. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're I right. have Duke. Duke and Michigan State. Virginia. I don't have Michigan State. Oh, my gosh. Is Duke and Virginia all we have that are the same? And Kentucky? Uh, Duke, Virginia, Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All three of us the same? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The final four. Oh, shit. I get even more boring here. <laughs> I've got Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia. Those are all one seeds. And then give me Auburn. Holy smokes. To make the final four. They're, go- they're going on a... Kimba Walker, UConn style run okay. where they run through their conference tournament and run to the final four. Wow. That could happen. Maybe wow. further? Maybe further. We're going to find out. <laughs> okay. Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, Auburn. Okay. I've got Duke over Michigan State, Texas Tech over Florida State, Virginia over Tennessee, North Carolina over Kentucky. Wow. So Duke, Texas Tech, Virginia, North Carolina. So three one seeds as well. Yes. I've got Duke over LSU, Florida State over Michigan, Purdue over Virginia, and Kentucky over North Carolina. So I've got a one, two, three, and four. Wow, one, two, three, four. That is that's amazing. We all have Duke. Correct. Yep. That's it. No, Virginia. We you and I have Virginia. He doesn't though. I do. You got Purdue. Purdue. Uh, They'll disappoint you. (laughs) They probably will. Typical Big Ten. Yeah. All right. So my championship game is not Auburn. Uh, it's Duke versus Virginia, and I got Virginia taking the whole thing. The whole shebang. I've got Duke versus North Carolina. Wow, and that would be part crazy. That would be insane. Yeah, and North Carolina winning. Wow. I've got Duke versus Kentucky and Duke winning. Wow. So we have three different champions. Yep. Wow. Nice. And in my OG bracket that I did, yeah. my first one I did, I've got Duke in North Carolina. Wow. I feel like that's very possible. And I would not be mad if that happened. Um, That'd back be cool. In the, uh, to take it back one last time to the NCAA tournament that got canceled, I had Missouri and Kansas going to the championship game. That would have, that I would have been a nervous wreck. <laughs> that would have been the craziest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, like for Mizzou fans. Just Anyway, back to... 2019 um i really like virginia i i know they just got upset by florida state in the acc tournament but and i know people are going to talk about last year um with them losing as a one seed to a 16 seed um the big difference i think between last year and this year for virginia is their offense um last year they were like number one in i think they were number two in defense on ken palm and like 30th in offense Mm -hmm. and this year they are number two in defense again and also number two in offense wow so i think they've they've found another gear on offense and 
I think they're just so balanced and they can shoot really well and they control the possessions in the game so well. Yeah. And I definitely don't think they'll get upset early. Um, when you get to the Elite Eight, you know, it's kind of anybody's game, mm-hmm. but I really like Virginia. Yeah. Uh, here's a little bracket tip from Kyle. Uh, if you are in several bracket groups and you and there's a lot of participants, there's a pretty good chance that most people are going to pick Duke, North Carolina. Picking Virginia is probably a really good value pick, honestly, because if it in, if it does end up happening, you are going to have a really good chance at winning because probably not very many people are picking Virginia this year just because of the stereotypes of last year and the fact that Virginia hasn't really done well in the postseason before. But I really do think that this is the year they have a chance to to win it all, um, so you might be able to uh, get the leg up in your competition by taking Virginia all the way. Boom. That's what I did. That's what Cameron did. Um, one name that I want to throw out there and tell everybody to watch out for so that if it does happen, I'm a genius, and if it doesn't happen, nobody will remember anyway, is Villanova. They're a six seed. They've won NCAA championships. Jay Wright is an offensive genius. Watch out for them. I've got him going to the Elite Eight. Nice. I think uh, Nevada might be that team for me, except they have, honestly, like really tough matchups. Like Florida in the first round, probably probably Michigan, and then probably Texas Tech. Yeah. Like those are really, really tough matchups. Yeah, those are uh, three teams inside the top, like, 25 in Ken Palm on yeah. uh, defensive efficiency. But I do think that um, Nevada, I mean, Buffalo is the six seed in that in that region. So Buffalo is a six, Nevada is a seven. Honestly, that just doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. I think Nevada is a lot better team. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I think they have a chance to, to bust out a few wins there, or they might just lose to Florida. I have no idea. But they're dangerous. If you're uh, someone that believes defense wins championships, you might take Texas Tech all the way because they are ranked first in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. Um, and they're not awful on offense, 36th on offense, but that was kind of around where Virginia was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, something that Ken Palm enthusiasts always talk about is looking for teams that are in the top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, so that would include Virginia, Duke, Michigan State, Michigan, North Carolina, Kentucky, and that's it. So pretty much almost all the one and two seeds, except for like Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee is not the best on defense. Um, Michigan barely makes that at being uh, 18th on offense. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, I mean, after the t- seasons Missouri has had the last five years, it's incredible to me that a team is top five, top ten in both offensive and defensive efficiency mm-hmm. like to be that good at both aspects of the game i just can't it's like so outside my experience as a mizzou fan that mm-hmm. i just don't really understand how a team does that yeah as good as mizzou was in 2012 i their defense couldn't have been super high uh 111th yeah that's crazy number i mean one in offense though and we won how many games like 28 or something 30 altogether 30 okay yeah, yeah 31 team with over a hundredth place defense that's yeah. that's how good the offense was i guess but um to be ba- that balanced though i mean that's super talented really really hard to do yeah and i feel like this seven teams i think you listed i feel like it's that's a high number that's higher than i would have thought yeah, I think 
the the top I mean the top of the I mean we talked about it already that the one and two seeds are just a class of their own yeah I and think I, I could see I mean I think Tennessee is right there 34th on defense is still not, pretty good not far outside that uh, Purdue is right there 32nd on defense but top five on offense um, and then Texas Tech is the opposite so there's some of those teams that could make some noise but I don't know it's just so fun. I'm so yeah, excited. <laughs> I, it is a blast, and it's always so fun whenever that ra- – I mean, honestly, like, I'm that horrible person that is probably going to fill out 20-plus brackets. Uh, however just, many ESPN will allow me to yeah, fill out, I will do Yeah, because it's just fun for me to do. There's, like, there's probably – I've looked at every single matchup and probably been like, hmm, this might happen. Yeah. There's still some matchup that will get upset. There, You know, there'll be, like, a 14-seed beat a 3-seed that I just – probably never even considered um you know with how much time i spend oh, filling I out these brackets it. i got yale over lsu it's, oh yeah i do too oh, <laughs> mind, but like it'll probably be like old dominion over purdue or something like that's crazy. just one that i just never thought about no. probably so yeah, I, yeah. There's, there's there's always a couple of games that just absolutely yep. shock you yep and you just can never put together the combination of upsets yeah. and stuff. It just doesn't it's, happen. It just is not smart to take Old Dominion over Purdue in your bracket because Purdue's probably going to go win three games at least yeah. or something. So, But um, everybody, if you, this is just a wonderful tool that we're allowing you to have. Our excellent analysis. <laughs> if, you're, if you want to listen to this while you're filling out your bracket... It's a little unfair, honestly, to like your coworkers and friends OP. that you're in a, a bracket pool with. But I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is this is your ticket. Yeah. To uh, to and being in first place. Also, in your... we're cluing you into our brackets, and you can compete against us, and basically <laughs> just fade all of our picks. And... Actually, it's a <laughs> large disadvantage. <laughs> it's actually pretty hilarious that we just told you exactly what our brackets are before. <laughs> The competition starts. So if you choose anybody, if you choose not Duke, not North Carolina, and not Virginia, (laughs) and that comes true, you will be... You're getting a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I do encourage you to uh, fill out your brackets and at least add one of those 30 or however many to the Missouri Sports Podcast pool. All you have to do is search for it. There's no password, like I said before. Um, any, Any last bracket thoughts for you guys i think that's it for me go wofford somebody and invite your friends if even if they don't listen to the podcast and yeah. you know they've got an everybody's extra, welcome extra bracket to throw into the group do it um and we don't even have to t- you don't even have to tell them that there's a t-shirt involved and we'll send it to you that is the espn tournament challenge app if we did not make that clear yeah. already or just on espn.com um how long have we been talking we've been talking um, a while a while okay i think that's all i have it'll be fun to see missouri in this tournament next year mm-hmm. and i will pick them to win it all cool i actually believe that i'll forfeit <laughs> i'll forfeit my entry in the podcast group just to have missouri win the whole you thing probably won't be the only one <laughs> well you can let them know where they can find us i guess yeah you can find this podcast on google play spot uh <laughs> i'm trying to you do this do from memory okay google google podcast spotify how do you find it kyle uh personally Podbean. Oh, oh, not on iTunes. iTunes is another way you can find it. 
Uh, you can tweet us at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Good luck on your brackets. Go fill those brackets out, and we will see you next week. And we will talk about who is leading the pack Ooh. of the uh, Missouri Sports Podcast bracket group. Go UC Irvine. Go Yale. Go Wofford. <laughs> <laughs>